0: What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan. And today we're going all in. I have a real special guest for you today. Uh, a dude who has 30 <laughs> years of a career on Wall Street, but I'm really pumped because we're going to talk about how he got started today. You know, literally from going from like nothing to where he's at and all the way to, to an NYSE just had another IPO hit just a couple of weeks ago. It's super exciting. Todd all welcome my man.
1: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you make me sound bigger than I am.
0: Yeah. What's going on with <laughs> that? How are you doing? I, I always have, I'm always really high energy, Well, you good. know that. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I just had yeah. the, uh, the pleasure of being now. on your show. what did you do for New Year's? Oh, I did it. Uh, what did I do for New Year's? It wasn't much. It was uh, just hanging out with, with family. There was a couple of kids of mine that, that were feeling under the weather. So it was a really low-key New Year's this year you know, which was sort of welcome. And I know that with you, uh, you understand this, right? Because we're always go, go, go all the time. It's kind of refreshing when you get something that's just a chill day. That's some that's a day that everybody expects you to be out and partying. I enjoyed
1: that. I needed, I needed a chill day. It hasn't been chill and it's not going to be chill in 2023. I think uh, this weekend, we have the two seater indie cars at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. As we're preparing to launch Bitnile.com, which is a lifestyle brand uh, site. And then uh I think it's nonstop in the indie season, the launch of BitNile. Um, I did complete my last acquisition I'm gonna do for at least 12 months in December. I bought a crane company in Texas, about 50, 53 grove cranes, two hundred and fifty thousand ton cranes. It services the oil industry. So I'm uh I wish I could take a day off. I'm gonna to try to squeeze like one day this weekend where I can sleep for eight hours, but I it's nonstop. And I thought new year's would, would slow things down, but it has not really slowed anything down. I I'm
0: with you. It it, it tends to speed up around this time of year from what I see too, you know, and you mentioned something about the crane company, and this is intriguing because it I'd love to talk about what your very first acquisition was, right? Because your specialty is acquiring undervalued assets and disrupted te- technologies that can have a, a big impact on the global market. And it's interesting to me because you're involved in so many different areas and industries. Yeah, it's so diverse. I mean, you go from pharmaceuticals, which I think was one of your, your IPO just a couple of weeks ago. Right. But now you're talking about a crane company. How do you decide what you're going after?
1: Well, the funny part about uh, the market is. You know, I thought a lot about this evolution of the market, how long it's actually been around. If you think about how long humans have been on Earth, and let's say it's debatable, let's just say we agree with that it's 5,000 years. I don't, and I am not making a political comment on whether it's 300,000 or 5,000 or 2,000 or anything like that. But in the big scheme of things, money has been around for. A long time but actual government issued currency uh in the manner that it's controlled now has only been around for like less than 100 years and even less than 100 years ago the bank of illinois used to issue uh currency u.s currency it was printed by different banks and so we're not as mature as we we're not as mature as we are right um we think we are and I always think that, wow, this could never happen. And then it happens, right? Like the pandemic in, in 1918 happened, but you and I weren't around for that. We only hear stories of it. Yeah. But the recent pandemic has just made everything upside down. Like what's right is left, left is right. Uh, you know, sort of black swan moments, as I say them, right? And so I try to buy when something is so hated that no one wants it. And if I just listen to myself on that, I will, I've made a fortune. I've made a fortune buying real estate when no one's ever going to rent an apartment again. And then now everyone has to have an apartment. I, I made money when I bought Jack in the Box when, when they had actually served hamburgers that had E. coli in them. And the stock went from 18 to 275. I think seven people died. Maybe it was four people, 700 people sick. And so right now I'm really big on Bitcoin. There was a line out the door a year ago, November, when Bitcoin was 69,000, you couldn't get, I mean, you couldn't give it away. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't keep it. It was like impossible. People were buying it like crazy. And now the line out the door to buy Bitcoin is like, there's no one out there. It's the reverse now. Yeah. Right. Everybody's selling still. Yep. Yeah. Well, Bitcoin stabilized, but a lot of the other cryptos have gotten smushed. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so you asked how I do it. What was my first acquisition? I'm always the guy like trolling in the trash bin for your discard, your discard pile. You, You, you like, think about, uh, uh, Warren Buffett talking about how he used to buy, you know, pick up cigar buds with one or two puffs left on a cigar. It's kind of a, I used to hear it as a kid. Now it's really kind of a creepy, gross analogy because you wouldn't smoke a wet cigar bud, but they do have maybe a couple puffs left in them. But when I bought the crane company, it was an upgrade because the crane company has EBITDA, been around a long time, but they had had some financial issues they got themselves into during the oil crisis when oil, believe it or not, went to negative $32 a barrel, meaning you had to pay someone to take your oil. Yeah. You had to pay them. Now, now oil is back to 80 bucks a barrel and it's the world has right, righted itself correctly. But uh, I always buy when people, people, there's an analogy I use all the time. I don't know who I should give credit for because pro- probably something I didn't make up. But stocks will trade higher than you ever thought possible and lower than you ever thought imaginable. Um, and so I'm a guy who likes to buy stuff when it doesn't feel good that you're buying it. Now, I'll do some momentum trading. I'll buy stuff on the way up when they think that it's transformative. You know, if you, if you bought only the way I bought you, wouldn't bought, you wouldn't have bought Microsoft. You wouldn't have bought Google. You wouldn't have bought a lot of stocks. You wouldn't have bought Apple. But even Warren Buffett will say to you, if there's something unique about the property where they're changing the narrative and Warren Buffett's analogy was, is this little phone here for a thousand dollars does the craziest stuff in terms of value versus what it would cost to make it. If you were making a singular one and what like this, what this machine is more powerful than anything that sent something to the moon. It's like, the value add that it creates to society is so amazing that there's, there's only one person making Apple phones. There's only one person, right? Bingo. One company. Um, and so it's just, uh, it's, I try to buy stuff that's on sale when I, I but, but it's uh, even I, there are periods of time where people are willing to pay 140 bucks a share for Peloton And then now they're willing to pay nine. And I keep having to remind myself of it's never different this time because it's never different. But during the pandemic, it became different. I'm going to be a diamond hand. I'm an ape. I'm going to own AMC, even though they own billions of dollars of, of lease payments. And in fact, I was attacked viciously for being short AMC at $30 aggressively attacked. And, and I, I read a report where they said it was going to go to a dollar. And of course it's on its way to a dollar right now. Right. Yep. Because at the end but of the day, s- you, you still have held to, the short you have position. Hold. You still held the short position. No, the no, I, no. I don't, I don't, I don't, but, but at the end of the day, you have to have a business that ultimately produces some sort of cash or some sort of value that can be realized. Um, we don't agree on Bitcoin myself and Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, but I, you, I don't think you could argue anymore that Bitcoin is the premium um, digital asset. There's no question it's the best of a, a scenario where you have someone like Sam Bankman Freed who just made up a coin and then borrowed against his made-up coin. Yeah, yeah, no joke, like, for sure. Side of a movie, out well, of yeah. a movie. I know what you're doing. Your business is really simple. I mean, it's really complicated, but it's really simple, and that is, you're, you own like a utility. I mean, you're providing a utility for people who need technology. They run a business and they need outsourced services for, to manage their technology network. Very definable, like very definable, right? Yeah. There, are moments in time, there are moments in time when people want to pay a premium for your type of companies because they are large and they have steady cash flows and they're predictable. And there are moments in time when they're not predictable because you're buying a business or you're developing it in which they're willing to pay less because it's unpredictable. And, but then if you're in a high growth curve, they'll pay more because they think you're successful at buying more of them. So um, there's no straight answer. I think, I think that number one, um, reason why people make money or lose money is temperament. And if you don't have the right temperament, you buy when everyone else is buying and you sell when you have fear. Temperament is I mean it's really a big part of the game.
0: Listen to that everyone. And you you buy yeah. when everybody else is buying. That's gold right there. And you sell when everybody when you have fear. Yeah. That's the wrong way.
1: Well, yeah, it's the wrong way because your 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 crowd mentality isn't leading you something to see in, in my world right now, though, it's the worst ever because I think people, I, if you go on to stock twits or Twitter, and the vast majority of the people that are bashing me, I have people that bash me right now. And That's fine. Market's down, stock's down. Um, and they say, you're raising money on an ATM. Yeah, I've been doing that for years. I said yeah. I was. Did you read any of the filings? Do you, you, you know what you own before you invested? <laughs> and, and then they say, you know, you're a liar. But no, I put it in the filings. You, did you read the filings? But mo- most importantly, I, I read the people say, I put my life savings in your stock. Why? Yeah. Why, why would you do that? that? You're just a gambler now. Yeah. You're not really an investor. That's, and so the, I, that's the key I, differentiator,
0: isn't it? Even with crypto, yeah. that was the case. There were so many that were gambling rather than investing.
1: Right, so I ask people all the time, like, why Why are you doing something? And if you know why you're doing it, then then you have to understand the consequences of, I mean, I, I, I don't usually write them back, but when I hear someone say, I put all my life savings in your stock, well, if your life savings is 500 bucks, I get the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hope if you put your 500 bucks in there, you don't have any credit card debt because if you have credit card debt, Get rid of that stuff first before you put any money, your life savings into a stock, which I would never do. No, I happen to have most of my life savings in two stocks, but that's because I own and control most of the companies. Yeah. I apologize. One second. Skyla, what's up? Oh, yeah. So my assistant's saying, why would she's laughing at me? So, why would you put your whole life savings in it? I, I'm I'm more dumbfounded now because what I, my biggest concern is, I see people that don't seem to be educated, effectively using the market to gamble. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know where they got the mentality. And then I listen to my kids, and they say, "Well, you're not really taught to invest in, in 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 high school. You're not taught these basic, fundamental, foundational stuff." And then there's a generation now. I don't know how old you are, but I'll date myself and say that in 1998 to 2001, when I was managing money, I could not convince people or explain to them that just because you put a dot com next to your name, the stock shouldn't go from $9 to 200 Yeah. But it did. And it worked until it worked. So it's like a party where everyone gets drunk and they keep getting drink. They drink more and more and more and more and more and more. And then eventually they have to wake up in the morning and they have a hangover. Well, the market has a hangover now and the fed basically said hey we're going to pull the punch bowl away which is lower interest rates we're going to jack those up in your face at the same time the government was issuing people money to uh to help them during the pandemic and that's over yeah and we're all dealing through the right now we're in the hangover we're in a hangover man it's yeah. a hangover well
0: it was over extension um, because all that mo- you know all that money that was issued it was all based upon debt anyways it was new debt that the country took on and then spread around just to bolster the lives of individuals for a moment, just like having a party night, right? <laughs> it's fun for a moment, but then, like you're saying, you have the hangover the next day and you wake up and realize, what the fuck did I do?
1: And I would say it was good that we had that party. I, you want to help people during a pandemic Absolutely, when the government yeah. says we're going to shut everything down. They gotta do the right thing by people. But now we gotta tighten our belt a little bit and make sure that we're efficient and not thinking it's coming back. And um, you know, you caught me on a day where I'm in a weird retrospective mood because Good. I see people I see people spending money on like tennis shoes I've never I mean, I must be that I'm not a boomer. So all those out guys out there want us to write boomer below my name. I'm not a boomer, <laughs> um, but I can't believe that you can go to a, 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 a shop uh, in Vegas and buy tennis shoes for 500 bucks a pair that sold on Nike for hundred.
0: Yeah. No kidding.
1: Um, but that's the world we live in, man. Yeah. You know, my son wanted an off white belt.
0: <laughs> that's great. Or the, or the Yeezys that were Not just quite. around for a bit. But look, at that's a good example, right? The, the, the Yeezys are a really good example of how the market can shift so quickly. You know, all because of, of something that's really, really fickle. And then you go from a $2,000 pair of sneakers down to, what is it, a half a million pairs that Adidas still has in inventory that they can't sell now?
1: Is that true? There's a half a million Yeezys in inventory. They can't That's sell? what I read. Yeah, it was
0: in the journal a couple of weeks ago. Yep, they have around a half a million Yeezys that are just sitting there.
1: But is that because they won't sell them, or because they're no one wants to buy them? That I don't know. I didn't get too far
0: into the article. It was just that they were. It, it was phrased at the beginning that they were "quote unquote" stuck with them. So it would be something. But right now, that might be good for you because it's something everybody
1: hates, right? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, could I buy those Yeezy shoes and put them on bitnile dot com? Yeah. Maybe that maybe I should get a hold of Adidas and see whether they'll sell them to me. Hey. I'll give them a dollar a pair, half a million bucks. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of serious, right? I, I mean, know you are, yeah. That's what I that's what I would be doing. That's yep. that's exactly what I would do. That's exactly what it would. Continue. But we um, you know, I think your question was how did I get started doing this? Um I wanted to work on Wall Street since I was 11 years old. I I saw uh, Warren Buffett on TV uh, when I was a kid. I uh, got a hold of his office. His assistant, I think her name was Gladys, sent me um, every annual report up until then, I think was 1981. Wow. And uh, when I was 18 years old, I tried to go work on Wall Street. I've been working on it ever since and want to run a holding company. I finally run one called Alt Alliance, which is public in the back there. The symbol on the new york section is AULT, and then we own we either own control or invest in i think maybe six or seven other public companies uh and we were when i took the company over it had about three and a half million in assets i think it has close to 650 million now with the purchase of the crane company hmm. and uh public and private's closer to 700 million and then we uh have sales That with a combined companies, I think we'll be approaching 200 plus 230, 40 million, including the two companies we're going to spin off. So we, um, I think we had sales of 6 million when we started in 2017, here or take 16, and now we're going to be at a, you know, closing in on a quarter of a billion, hopefully by 2025. Um, For the first nine months of this year, we did about 100 million so we're in everything we're in lending we're in uh biotechnology we're in we're we're the largest we own control of the largest karaoke company in the world called the singing machine which is on the nasdaq the symbols mics i I remember those
0: from when i was really really young Uh, we have uh
1: um the crane company we have five hotels with four of which we own outright we're all over the map. Two Marriotts, two Hiltons. That's incredible. Part of a diamond business. Oh, yeah. so you were you were eighteen time. when you started on Wall Street, and uh, yeah, the, I kind I kind of was. I mean, no one really wants to hire you at eighteen, but I course. kind of started at. I was going to say that that's age. young yeah. for
0: that to be on the street. Yeah. So, how you just did I hear you right that you just cold called Warren Buffett's
1: assistant? Uh, uh, well, I, I saw him on Lou Dobbs' line okay. and I called, uh, I called his office. She answered the phone. Uh, I told her who I was, and she sent me the, uh, the annual reports. Back then, you know, there was no, like, email. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I don't even think there was call waiting. When you call the phone number, there would be a busy signal. No one even knows what a yep. busy signal is. And uh, I called her. She said she sent them to me. They arrived a couple weeks later. And the rest is history. And if I would have just listened to the guy a lot more than I should, I mean, if I would have listened better, I'd probably be a richer guy. I didn't, didn't listen that well, but uh, I pay a lot more attention than I used to. Well, yeah.
0: Who does when you're 18? I mean, when, when you're 18, yeah, it's, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of grandiose ideas that one can have. And there's a lot to be said about experience
1: brings temperament. Well, that's definitely happened for me. My temperament has changed dramatically. Yeah. I, um, I think, Scott, what do you think? My temperament's changed even since you've known me, hasn't it? Night and day. I don't tend to get as excited as I used to or mad as I used to. still get mad occasionally. You still get excited. But the extremes are more mellow. And and as you get to be a bigger company, when you, I give this analogy. When you're a small company... You're driving a speedboat. Everyone's holding on board, and they're all turning with you left and right,
0: (laughs) hanging on for their dear life, is what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And when you get to be a little bigger, if you still drive it like a speedboat, some people fly off the edges. And when you turn, are they hit against the wall? And then when you get a little bigger, like we are now, you got to drive it like a little bit, like not an ocean liner, but like a small yacht, where you're turning a little slower. But eventually as we get towards a billion dollars, I'm sure we'll be turning like a ocean liner where it's an eight mile turn and you don't want the deck chairs to fly off to one side. You want everyone to be calm.
0: Yeah. That Um, says something too about risk management because uh, you know, as I'm looking at scaling too, it's something that I've got some big hitters that are on my board, but there's one individual in particular who always wants to talk about risk management. And that's where I'm seeing is he's looking down the road when there's a billion dollars in revenue. And he's saying, okay, what, what can we do? Because right now we can, we can dodge, we can pivot, we can maneuver pretty quickly. But when it comes to that point, the, the analogy he gave was almost like the Titanic avoiding the iceberg. You have to see the risk even further out to be able to make those shifts. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How many payrolls have you had to make in your lifetime? Oh my God. (laughs) If you take, uh, We'll say twenty-five times, just as an average, twenty-five times, fourteen years. So you're talking what four hundred ish? Do you think that
1: you know what I'm about to say to you next about making a payroll? Oh yeah, yeah. There's nobody that can understand the emotional load until you have to do that. I can't, and I've taken me a long time to figure this out. But I used to hire people. I had people that came over from Harvard, had their business degrees. And they're like, oh, I work for GE. I managed uh, this division. I have 3,500 employees. I cut people and I made cut expenses and we got more profitable, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a reason for that to be a manager. Yeah. But for me, it's really hard to take advice from someone from a business standpoint to understand what I'm doing until they've had to make a payroll. Yeah. So until you've had to make a payroll where you're responsible to make sure other people eat that their families are taken care of. Uh, I get a lot of people, you know, on social media saying shit about how they, you know, what, what they think about me. And I say to them, go fuck yourself because until you've made a payroll, you should fuck off. I, I don't think you have, a, you, you can't get provide me any advice. Like your, your, your opinion only matters in that it's your opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, you're like, I work at a Walmart and I'm a manager. Okay, great. You did, you have to manage, managing people, by the way, is one of the hardest things in the world, but until you've had to make a payroll where you run a business, where you're responsible to make the payroll, you, everything you've been taught is theoretical. Yeah. You You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're like, you haven't really had to do it. Now I may be biased there. But I'm not talking about like, oh, I had a, my partner and I, there's two of us and we started an online business and we we do drop shipping. Okay. All right. So you had to make your own payroll and your partner's payroll. Yeah. I'm talking about, I mean, we have, I think we have, I mean, I might be wrong and I I say this very carefully, please look at the filings, but I think after the crane company and the hotels, I think we have like 515 employees. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make payrolls, right? You got and, it. And, and, uh, so, I, you know, to your young viewers out there, you got to be careful where you're getting advice from. I know what you do. You run a business in which you have to make a payroll. Bingo. You have to make sure there's revenue coming in. The people are paid. When I was a kid and I took out my first job, I was thinking, well, I, I never even worried that people could pay me. Yeah. I got a job making. You know, I was at Albertsons at $4 an hour. I was thinking I was a king you know, King shit. Cause I was a box boy and back then was two thirty-five 35 an hour, but I got the $4 an hour box boy job. Nice. I never thought that Albertsons wouldn't be able to pay me. Never crossed my mind. When I started my own business, I realized, holy crap, I actually better make the money because I got to pay this bill. <laughs> yeah, No kidding. I got I to pay people,
0: right? You're reminding me of my first job because I got a, a permit to, to work when I, when I was only 15 at McDonald's and it was four twenty-five an hour. Uh, and there you go when i was i know when i was doing that it was the same thing i never had a thought in mind that that store and when i think about it now as i look back it was that owner had six franchises owned six franchises uh, so that owner was responsible for around uh, maybe 200 people and had to make you're sure you're a chicago was,
1: guy right yeah chicago yeah, yeah. yeah. chicago is where i own those uh hotels uh rockford illinois Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's about an hour and a half from
0: where I'm at. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So you work for McDonald's. You got a permit when you were 15. When I was 15, yeah, I just wanted to get started on things and wanted to uh, independence. That's really all it was. But yeah, it was 4.25 an hour. And when I would sit and think about you know people managing labor, I would ask the managers, you know, what's the biggest expense at 15? I'm asking this. Like, well, as an assistant manager, we're responsible for our shift to manage and keep labor rates because they would track revenue almost in real time, even back in the nineties. I don't know how they did it right with the systems, but they would, they would start to cut people when they would approach 12% labor cost by the hour. And then they would start to send people home at night. You know, to me, that was pretty advanced. When I look back at it for the mid nineties, you know, you're talking about the, at a McDonald's of all places, they would start to cut people when they would approach the 12% labor mark. Uh, but then looking back, it's like that was a, something that the, the owners put in place because they were pretty tight with that and made sure that that was one of the metrics in place so that they could make payroll for everybody and maintain profitability. It was just very intriguing to me. So from the very beginning, I mean, I was a, I was a trainer when I was 15. I became an assistant manager when I was just 16 at McDonald's and then moved into other retail and, and then, uh, of course, technology, all of that. But it's, uh, I'm with you, it's an intriguing thought process, because even with what I have now, I owned a private security company, protection agency for three years, and I had 70 employees in that company. That was from 2016 to 2019, and the same scenario, because it was service, but then it comes to accounts receivable, it comes to collections, and it was pretty much time for money for all the individual agents, the guards that were out there. And you had to make sure that there was enough working capital in place to cover payroll when those people worked before you even got paid from your clients. It's right. an interesting scenario. You know, and, and that was, you know, $15 and $25 an hour jobs for unarmed and armed agents. And, right. And that was that's what they depended on to make money, half of that roster because it's it's just like kitchen help. I say that affectionately, but in a restaurant, but but security guards, whether it's armed or unarmed, it's the same scenario. Half of them did not even have bank accounts, they would still get a paper check and I'm only talking a few years ago, they would take their paper checks to the currency exchange and cash it because they needed to go pay the rent with it. And That's a big load that that a lot don't understand, you know, or self-righteous operations managers will be like, well, I have to to go cut payroll, you know, I have to go make a payroll. And it's like, no, you don't, you have to go through and make sure that people are not over-reporting, under-reporting their hours, making sure the numbers are correct, and then you're hitting a button to submit. That's it. You're right. not making sure that people are, that the money is actually there to write the checks.
1: Right. I'm uh, I'm actually, uh, dealing with a, a different argument right now, which is that I heard someone say to me the other day, well, we're approaching almost 8 billion people. You know how hard it is to find people to work? Yeah." I mean, we have, we have a work crisis problem and more importantly, in a few years, I was watching this, uh, we, they raised rates, uh, minimum wage in, in, uh, California to $22 an hour for people at McDonald's, 22 an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so McDonald's is introducing fully automated McDonald's that are all robots. Yep. Like the whole thing, you know? That's foods kind of made intriguing. by a robot. Yeah, I was looking at that. Yep. It's packaged by a robot. There's like a couple employees that are human. Now I know, but this is a real problem. Yeah. Right. Is that you have a world that's going to become very automated. For sure. It's Amazon and, warehouses now too. The oh yeah. The picking sure. the packing and yeah, the shipping. They're not picking in, they're not picking parts here. You got it. They're you know, so um, we're in this really interesting time like a really vertical Delta in terms, in terms of if, if, if you really, I get the person who really has the most advanced thoughts in my mind on this ironically is Elon Musk. You talk about like, just, I mean, think about where we were a hundred years ago, right? Yeah. So a hundred years ago, 1923, um, there were still cowboys, you know, walking around and, putting their horse on the, you know, <laughs> it's not that we haven't been around that long, Yeah, but the curve, the learning curve is exponential, right? The technology curve is exponential. And, uh, I'm just excited to be here for the ride, dude. <laughs> so if, if I, I went that. back to your original question about, um, how did I do it? I did it because I wanted to, one of the, one of the bullshit things that people teach you these, these, these coaches is about manifestation. I'm with you. My wife would say that I'm the keen of manifestation. And my therapist would say with action. Yeah. I just don't say I want to do it. I do something about it. So if you're one of those people who want to do something, ask yourself yourself, what you're doing about it because no one would hire me. I was like a, I lived in HUD housing in Fullerton and I like, I played football, but I didn't have like a great education. The reason I am self-employed is because no one wants to fucking hire me. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to go get my own job. I, when I worked at Dean Witter, I, I remember a broker named Bob Abraham who said to me, I said, Bob, I'm going to make $187,000 this year. This is like 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever it was. I think it was like 1995 or something. I'm like, where would I go get this kind of money? And he, he said, okay, but Dean Witter, if I wasn't here as a broker, where would I go? He said, you're unhirable. So he told me. So the first time I ever heard the term. You're unhirable. I said, what the fuck? I, I'm a good guy. What do you mean? Why wouldn't people want to hire me? Because you work on your own schedule. You come and go as you please. You effectively... Work under Dean Witter, but they're your clients. And you're not hireable. Like you can't, who's going to pay you starting salary, 187 grand. You're, I think I was 25 or something. Like no one's going to hire you. I was 23, maybe or something like whatever I was, 24. No one's going to hire you. They're not going to hire you, dude. And I thought he was crazy. And then I realized no one would hire me. And eventually I figured out that I could never be hired. And now I'm unemployable. Like I have to be in charge. And, uh, you have the person who wants to do what they want to do has to know, do they really want to do it or not? Yeah. Like, are they willing to, I was willing to not have any money, only do what I did for a living, start my own business, go broke, borrow from my mom and dad, Have no money, marry the right person who stuck with me when I had nothing, with a blind faith that I was going to keep going forward. So it's it's not like the the problem is is you watch too much TV. Like you're right, you go, Wait, wait, Mark Zuckerberg was in his board his room and he came with an idea. Isn't this cool? The social network, and he ran around with uh Edward, what's his name? And and then all of a sudden Justin Timberlake showed up, and now I have a social network and I'm a billionaire. Bullshit. Exactly. Doesn't happen that way. I like it's it's too like a romance novel. Like I have, I have this one friend, a female friend, very pretty girl. Uh, and she is like, she's like a Kim Kardashian type. And Kim Kardashian has been divorced. Like what? Like Elizabeth Taylor, like 19 oh, times yeah, or man. something. Yep. Know, whatever the number is now she's on, on dude number 65 or 70. That's her, it's her bag. It's not my, listen, she's a billionaire. She's smarter than me in marketing. She can do what she wants. Well, that's because she but has a .dot nor-
0: .com to the end of that, right? Dude65.com.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. I, I have oh no I. issue with Kim yeah. Kardashian. I'm <laughs> using her as an example. She's a nice person. I, I have no issue with her. Yeah. I, I'm saying, trying to prove a point, which is that there are people that think they're Kim Kardashian. They're, you're not. There there isn't another Kim Kardashian. There's only one Kim Kardashian. You have to be what you want to be, right? But if yeah. you if you're in a scenario where... Uh, I'm married, but now it's just not fun for me uh, because times are tough and my husband lost his job. What a coincidence that my husband lost his job and now he's going to get a divorce because it's not working out. She can't have the lifestyle she wants, right? Uh, That's not a commitment to what you want. That's like, uh, well, times got tough, so I bailed out. And I use that analogy all the time, and that is you got to be who you want to be yourself. Like You got to figure it out yourself and know that it's not going to be easy. And it's unlikely that you're going to be Kim Kardashian. You're just not going to be Kim Kardashian. You're going to be you. You're not going to be, they're not, you're not going to be this influencer that, you know, just does a couple of posts. And because by the time you figure out that you can be an influencer, yeah, that ship has sailed. Yep. Everyone wants to be an influencer. So I'm not, I mean, I'm being like a little bit of an ass today to prove a point, which is that like, you have to know what you want to do. And if you know what you want to do, you're going to figure it out. You're going to do it. But you're not going to say to someone, I'm looking for the opportunity. I'm hoping it's going to work out. I need a break. You have to make your own breaks. Yeah, bingo. I mean, you really do. It, it's really not as hard as you think. It's harder.
0: Great insight, my man. I uh, you I've think
1: been, so? Do you think I, so? I do. I, 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 I enjoyed
0: don't... the self-reflective self, uh, nature of our conversation today. It's uh, it's almost like you were talking well, to yourself.
1: You're Was that, I kind of was talking to him, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it's good. It was a good monologue for, for a lot well, of it, I, you know? I, well, I'll, I'll tell you that when I think about yourself, I know what you're trying to build in, in the service business around technology. And you're going to look back 10 years from now. You're going to say, one's going to say, how did you get there? Yeah. You're going to say, I ground out one deal at a time. And I bought another company, and I bought another company, and I bought another company, and that's how you got to a hundred million yeah and but the ro- there's no road special road from zero to a hundred million without you doing the work.:
0: yeah, bingo, you got it everybody wants that what what's the phrase you know the the overnight success that took ten years <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's no greater definition for me than someone saying, well, it happened like almost overnight. I'm like, yeah, like 20, over twenty night, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Oh, it got there overnight, just 20 years later. Yep. No one's around for that. For sure. Todd, I appreciate hey, I didn't you, mean to, my man. I didn't, I didn't mean to give that monologue like that. No, I'm it's sorry. good.
0: The, the, don't apologize. Are you kidding me? Such great insight. You know, th- there was just a couple yeah. of things around. I'm glad Skyla jumped in too. You know, just to, yeah, just, uh, just to ask the question halfway through, you know, but it's, uh, your bio is, you know, a born entrepreneur and self-made man. And, and I, I love that because there's no, there's nothing else in going all in than just being real. And that's what this sure. was today. You know, it was a good, uh, good ode that we both gave to some NPR. I kind of like the feel, I don't have this feel too often. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of influencers that like to come on the show, quote unquote influencers. Right, they they like to come on the show, and then you find out real quick that they've been uh, an influencer for you know two days, something like that, and they're just calling themselves that because it now it becomes a you know putting in the work. There's some really cool people, and then some other interesting folks that that I meet that I go on the show. But Todd, you're the cream of the crop, man. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, that's you too, man. That's nice of you to say. Thanks for coming we, on. Uh, I, I I'm happy to be here. All it's right. Been, uh, uh, I apologize for uh, being a little you know, reflective here at the beginning of the year. But the reason I'm reflecting is because I've seen the last two years in this pandemic, people thinking it's different this time, buying stocks that are going to the moon, that yeah. are these new age Robin Hood, who's going to give you commission-free trading. Yeah, It's never different. At the end of the day, you got to do the work. And if you're making money trading crypto and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed with, with what SBF did with, with or allegedly did with uh, FTX. You know, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. He's hurt an industry that's a great industry. Yeah. What I would encourage people to think about, right, is that in any time there's been boom bust scenarios, there's they have them in real estate, no money down real estates. The 2008 debacle. They had it in 2001 when the internet dot coms busted. Any great yeah. technology or new opportunity is going to be taken advantage of by people that will do things that they shouldn't be doing. But it doesn't mean that the industry isn't revolutionary. And blockchain is revolutionary. It's a revolutionary idea.
0: Absolutely. And the, tech is, yeah, the technology itself is revolutionary.
1: Right. One of the reasons I have such an interest in your business, what you're doing, and I know you're raising capital around your business. Or you're planning to go public is because your business is so definable and people need it. And so what I would tell people to understand if they want to start something is what problem are you solving? Yeah. Why do you have passion about doing it? And your problem for you, my friend, is you're solving a problem where, as I grow my business, I need technology to help me support my business. I help people to support the technology around my business. But I'm not a technology expert so I gotta to go to a place like a utility, right? Yeah. And, and I'll give people this analogy. When you go to turn on the power, do you, do you think about that you have to press the power button for the power to come on? Because a hundred years ago, you didn't have that option. A hundred years ago, when you pressed the power button, you wondered if the power would come on because there wasn't a power button. For sure. My point is, is that what you're doing now is you're taking what is a utility now, which is software as a service, uh, managed technology around what companies need in desktop and customer service and uh, uh, what they need in terms of software to manage their business. And you're saying, we're going to give you managed services around your technology where you don't have to think about the power button. That power button's right there. And you can call us anytime. We're going to help manage your desktop remotely. We're going to make sure your technology and your, te- your tech stack works for you. So you can go build your business. There's never been a better time ever in the history of mankind to start a business today, yep, right now. I'm with you. If you want to sell something? You can go to Shopify, and something that cost billions of dollars to build when Amazon built it over 10, 15 years. Shopify is available now, and you can set it up in a day. Yep. And you can get a company like yours right now and open up a call center and have the technology within a few weeks to have it all done and ready. Never a better time to do it once you know what you want to do.